awesome. Excited about this episode. This is one we've been talking about and wanting to do for a number of weeks, even over a month now. And this is an opportunity for you and I to switch roles and an opportunity for me to interview you and get a little bit on your background, Mike, which is just an incredible background. And so as everybody knows, uh, Mike is our director of operations for Rods. Mike is an ultra marathon runner, and he's got quite the background in how he got into this. So why don't you jump into it? Tell us a little bit about growing up, where you grew up, how you got into what you're doing right now. Yeah, so I grew up on a small, small dairy farm in northern Utah. Um, Legit, I've ran it before, so I know exactly how far it is. It's a mile and a half from my the house I grew up at is the Idaho border. Uh, small town, two hundred people, where there's more cows than people. Um, like probably twenty different farms, uh, but yeah, it was a four generation dairy farm that was passed down through everybody, and I grew up on that. Um, learned pretty early the value of hard work. Uh, for those of you who have never grown up on a dairy farm, it's, you're up at 2 a.m. Mad a respect. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but I, I think that's where my um, love for sleep deprivation and ultra running has come from. And that's something that I am fairly good at is like performing on sleep deprivation. And I think I owe a lot of that to growing up on the dairy farm. Makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who are uh, maybe more uh, familiar with uh, Utah and Idaho, what town was it that you grew up in? Cornish. In Cornish. So Google that. <laughs> yeah. <right? clears throat> I have to give you a hard time. I grew up about a mile and a half, maybe a bit more on the other side of yeah. <laughs> the border on Idaho, in Idaho, in Preston. And you were so close to getting to be an Idaho boy. So close, yeah. yet so far away. Preston High School is probably closer <laughs> to my house than my actual high school was. Guaranteed it was. <laughs> yeah. Yep, guaranteed. That's good. And so did you grow up running? Was that something that you did? No. So it's kind of funny. Um, I grew up overweight, um, and that was probably... I don't know what it was because I was active. I was working on the farm, but it's all that non-pasteurized milk that you were drinking straight off the top. (laughs) All that like cream. that's like that much of the glass. Um, but yeah, I grew up overweight. I hated physical activity. Um, I distinctly remember in high school, I had some buddies that were like way into mountain biking and these are like my best friends. We're still really close. Um, they took me, they had like an extra bike and they took me mountain biking and I made it about, it wasn't more than a mile. And I stopped and I said, guys, if we pack these bikes up right now, then I'll just, I'll take you all out to a steak dinner tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And all of them just like, kind of like looked at each other and like, okay. And so after a mile, we turned around downhill to the truck, threw the bikes in and we went and had a buffet um steak dinner it was great jj norse golden corral even better (laughs) uh so yeah i hated physical activity i didn't grow up doing um any any of the sorts i did do football in high school but that was my junior year and um i'm sure i could have done better but i uh, it's kind of funny like my personality in high school compared to now it's like totally different because i looked for every excuse that i could have to like not practice football because I was scared of it. I was scared of getting hit. I was scared of hurting myself. So I was always like injured. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I never did. Like, I was on the bench. Uh, we had to do track 
like a requirement of football was to do track. And so I did track, but I, I came in the best I ever did was like second to last. So I was, there was, was me and this boy, he was like, he was a little kid and he and I were always the ones that were like battling to, to not be in last place. So, wow. So, uh, to give our listeners some insight, um, that really tees it up well to say, to see where you were even in high school from a physical standpoint, from an athletic standpoint to where you are right now. I, I have some of your, uh, accomplishments. You, uh, have the triple crown of the two hundreds. So meaning 200 miles. So you own the triple crown on that one. You ran a hundred miles on zero calories. What's amazing about that is I read that article <laughs> in the newspaper or online when Mike did that. Prior to Mike work, Mike and I working together, I didn't know Mike at all, and I had an inclination. I want to get to know this person. I want to reach out That's to this crazy. person because it was uh, just a fascinating article that you had shared. You know, so in regards to faith and as well as some of the other things that you've been able to do. And he is the fastest known time on the Colorado Trail, which is a 500-mile um, backcountry trail run that you did in the fastest known time. And how many days was that for you to accomplish? It's just over seven days. So running straight for seven days with very little, if any, sleep. So you went from bench warmer in high school, never, not even wanting to ride a mile on your mountain bike, mm. to having the fastest known time on, on that trail in Colorado and some of these other amazing accomplishments that we discussed. How'd you do it? What was the transition? What happened? So it felt like the transition was night and day. Like, I don't know what happened. Um, like... So I, I went and served a two-year mission for my church. Um, I got back from that mission, and I got back. Um, <clears throat> so the, the mission was like years 19 to 21 for my age. Um, I got back just after the deadline to start college at the university I was going to go to. I, I got back February 10th, and the deadline was like a week or so earlier. So, and then all my friends were either serving missions or they were back early enough that they were in university. So I just kind of had this window where I, I was working like a call center job part-time, living with my parents and just like trying to figure life out again. And so I started running like a couple miles just to like, just to like stay in shape. Um, and I had nothing really else to do. Uh, I remember one day I did four miles and I like felt super, super proud of that. It was a, a big step for me. Uh, because the most I ever done before my mission was two miles. Hmm. And then my sister was training for a half marathon in the the area that we live. And she was like, you should do it with me. And I had nothing else to do. So I was like, yeah, sure. Let's give it a go. 13 miles. I think I can handle that. So I did it. I, I ended up getting under an hour and a half, which was like <laughs> smoking it fast. Blew, it blew my mind. I was able to, granted, it was mostly downhill. It's the top Still of Utah. Half. <laughs> my goodness. So I... I remember finishing and my thoughts were, well, geez, if I can do that without training too hard, maybe if I train, I could get good enough to walk on to Utah State's track team and then have my college paid for. Wow. <laughs> so like the the motivation probably wasn't the purest. I wanted to get some money, so I'd have to pay for college, but it was what pushed me into start running every day and training consistently and um, that's kind of like where my love for working out came into play. So was it all smooth road? You went from there to getting up to 500 miles on the trail. 
so I had a really big hurdle that was thrown in my way about, so I did this um, half marathon in August of 2011. <clears throat> and then in February of 2012, I was in a skiing accident at a local ski resort where I broke my back. Mm. Um, I shattered my L L1 vertebrae. Mm. And like, you know, initially I was like, like when I, I hit a jump and I was going to do a backflip, but as I hit the jump, I chickened out. And so I went off like leaning back because I wanted to fall before I took off. So I launched like the head facing the ground in the air kind of a thing. Oh man. And I was able to like, kind of like squirm a little bit and land on my back over my head. Oh. Um, and the way the doctor, after I got my x-rays, like my entire vertebrae burst out. He said if it like if I landed funnier and it burst in, it would have paralyzed me. Mm. So got super, I was definitely watched over for that. Um, went in, had surgery, had had um, two rods and nine screws placed in my spine. And then when I got out, just because I started to like kind of develop the love for running, I asked when I could start running again. And he told me, like, if I was lucky, I'd be able to start running again in about a year. That maybe I could start swimming in about seven months, like, because that wasn't really any impact on my back. But in terms of, like, impact exercise, he said to wait for a year. Hmm. Um, so I, this was about a month into my semester at school. So all my professors recommended in completing my classes, which meant deferring them for a whole year. And then I started a job like two days before this happened, and um, they they ended up letting me go just because they Shoot. didn't know how long I'd be out. So moved in with the parents. Um, I had like this. My friends called it my nin, my Ninja Turtle shell. It was like <laughs> one of those full body plaster braces that yep. I had to wear. Um, but long story. So this is this is kind of for some reason this is where my mind or my, my personality for like pushing the boundaries kind of developed. Um, my, my recovery was, I was told to walk a mile a day and I had to like do it with a walker. Like I, I didn't have like a lot of support on my back. I felt so weak, but after like three days, I like started to push it and I was like, well, maybe I should try two miles. I did that. And I was like, well, maybe I should try three miles. Maybe I should try it without my walker. Maybe I should try to do it in like half the time. And so like within the first two weeks, I was like walking six miles a day when I was still to walk wow. a mile a day. Wow. And then, um, yeah, three weeks after surgery, my curiosity got the best of me and I decided to go for a little run to see how that hurt or didn't hurt. And your doctor probably didn't know about that. <laughs> no, one. he still doesn't know about <laughs> this. <laughs> I, I keep wanting to like reach out to him and tell him about all this and tell him how wonderful of a job he did. But yeah, three and a half weeks after my surgery, I started running again. I did a 10K six weeks after my surgery. And then I was just kind of in this position where my classes were incomplete. It was like the same position I was in when I got home from a mission. Job, no job, classes incompleted, and my friends were all busy. So I just I started running about 10 miles a day because I had nothing else to do. And then I got a job and was introduced to a trail runner and an ultra runner. And that was like a world I've never heard of before. And so he he opened the world up to me, and I went for a run with him. And I didn't know people trail ran. I thought trails were for hiking, road was for running. But as soon as I found that world, I just fell in love with it. Hmm. <clears throat> How many years ago was that? So yeah, I broke my back February of 2012. Um, I met him in the summer of 2012 at my new job that I got. And then 
I paced him that September, so this is all in the same year, and then pacing, like for those of you who aren't aware of the ultra running terms, a pacer can go with you like X amount of distance to like give you emotional support, make sure you're okay, just give you somebody to talk to. So I paced him at a hundred mile race in Logan and I paced him for like 15 miles maybe, but I ended up doing my first ultra basically a year after my back surgery. So hmm. spring of 2013. That's incredible. Wow. The rest is history on this. I yeah. would love to hear in regards to uh, your connection with rods. And so if I'm not mistaken, you had, uh, you, you grew up in Cache Valley, but you ended up moving with a job and then you came back to Cache Valley and that's where our connection started there. Yeah. So the past two years, um, you know, me and my wife were faith based. Um, we make a lot of our decisions based off of prayer. And so I worked for Ultra Footwear. Um, they were based in Logan, Utah, where I lived. Um, I got a killer job. I was in the marketing department. Um, I was an ultra runner. So a lot of my, it's perfect. Like my boss was like, yeah, if you want to go run for two hours at lunch today, like just throw on a sample pair of shoes and, and test them and give me feedback. So I was able That's to run whenever. Job. Yeah, it was <laughs> great. Uh, but then the owners of Ultra sold the company to VF, who are the owners of North Face. Like they have like 30 brands. Uh, but VF acquired Ultra and relocated Ultra to Denver. And so they offered us a great, they offered me my job. They offered a great like moving package. But me and my wife love where we're at. It's where our family is. It's Aside from the two years of my mission, that's where I spent my whole life. So we spent months and months praying, felt like it was right. We sold our house, moved to Denver, bought a house. And then like a month after being there, we were both like, this is not for us. Really? So we um, we sold our house that we had for three months. Um, I quit my job and moved back to Utah without having a job lined up. Um, but I did end up getting like an online marketing job when we came back. <clears throat> And that lasted three months due to COVID. <laughs> you know, I was the newest guy, so they had to let me go. Um, they, they were able to handle the marketing because of, because of COVID. And so I spent the majority of 2020 without having a job, um, which was hard for us because, you know, if we didn't move to Denver, I did have other job opportunities in Logan. So we were just super confused about why we felt we needed to move only to come back and then be jobless for most of 2020 it was like a really like rough understanding um wasn't getting interviews all year like it was just very um not demoralizing but it was just like it was That's hard frustrating. Yeah, it was frustrating yeah, mentally emotionally yeah to not even get interviews like yep. it was hard um and then um brady uh well brady's secretary Mm -hmm. um, she reached out to me through LinkedIn about uh, a job I applied for to, to work with him at his marketing, or sorry, not marketing, um, financial firm. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so me and Brady interviewed, and I'll admit I almost didn't, like I almost didn't do the interview because I was like... It's down in Salt Lake. Da and yeah, down in Salt Lake and like outdoor industry to finances, like, but, you know, I trusted the... I, I needed a job interview, so yep. so I, I went to the interview, talked with Brady, and then um, during that interview, Brady talked about rods um, and said that 
you know, shared what it was, shared that they're wanting somebody to come on board to help with the marketing and the day-to-day operations, um, and, you know, told me about it. So I'm going to pause you right there. I, uh, and give you some insight on my, from my perspective on that. Um, we, uh, so my day job is I operate a financial advisory firm here in Salt Lake and, um, we needed a marketing director. And so I had actually engaged with a third party recruiting firm to identify some potential candidates and you were a name that had come up. And it was interesting because I saw your background with ultra and I saw your background in ultra marathoning. I thought this is kind of unique. It wasn't a connection for me and saying, hey, let's interview this guy because I think he'd make a great financial advisory marketer. But I had a connection to endurance running. And that was actually the reason why I chose to interview you was the was the marathon running. I did not know that. (laughs) But before you go into that, I um, I'm curious we're an organization of down syndrome and we love to save orphans that have down syndrome in your background you hadn't shared really anything in regards to down syndrome what is your connection to down syndrome see i have two and i mentioned one of them um, in an earlier podcast my sisters grew up working um, at a center for for adults who have down syndrome so I grew up with a and then I have a bunch of friends I have two friends one has a daughter with down syndrome and one has a brother with down syndrome so I grew up very familiar with that and close to some people who have down syndrome and then the other connection was my sister one of my sisters that worked there um, she actually adopted a young child who has down syndrome named Maggie and she's like she, just seeing the whole process that Ginger had, but Ginger's my sister, just seeing the whole process that she had to go through with the adoption. And Where just, did she adopt her from? Columbia. From Columbia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so just seeing like she's doing so many posts, like saying just how hard it was to have a child identified and just the waiting process and just seeing all that my sister went through and then actually, you know, see, so my sister went to Columbia to get her. My sister lives in Alaska. You know, I live in Utah, so we're pretty far away. But she went to Columbia to get her, and on the way back to Alaska, stopped in Utah and spent five days or so with everybody so everybody could meet her. And she was just, you know, everything that everything that I remember growing up with about, like, being connected with people who have Down syndrome, like, everything just carried over into Maggie. She was just so happy. She was dancing. She was just such a joy. And... You know, lighting up our lives with one like was one major thing I noticed. But just seeing how much joy she brought my sister and her husband and children was just remarkable. So I, I have a little niece that has Down syndrome. That's awesome. So uh, we'd like to share with our listeners. Uh, there's actually a pretty unique story that ties your uh, your niece that has Down syndrome that was adopted from Columbia and actually our organization here. And so when Mike and I were interviewing and we started to talk about the role with with my firm here and the financial advisory firm, um, he started to share uh, just a little bit in regards to uh, some of your background in marketing and running and everything. And I started to share about rods. And we actually had a need at that time to hire a marketing professional with rods. And I thought, hey, I think I'm interviewing the guy for the job with 
with my firm that I should be interviewing for the job <laughs> with our nonprofit. And so we started to talk about that. And Mike said, I actually have a, a niece that has Down syndrome that, uh, that uh, my sister adopted. This is crazy. And we went back and started talking about who it was. And it was then that we made the connection that your niece is actually one of our former Rod's orphans. Yeah. And so one of our Rod's kids. And I have one of, in fact, one of my most prized pictures that I have with any one of our orphans was with your niece when your sister was in Logan after she yep. had adopted Maggie. And so it was so incredible to be able to see just that connection. And it was a strong uh, faith building experience for me uh, that I will say many, many times on this podcast that I've learned over the years in that when individuals allow themselves to get caught up in a cause bigger than themselves, they will witness miracles. And in essence, things will happen and transpire that will allow paths to cross and for individuals to be connected that will open up the opportunity for the work of orphans to move forward. And I found that there's, at least in my experience, I've never seen any more miracles or I've never seen more miracles than when dealing with orphans and in particular, those special orphans that have that extra chromosome. So it's kind of fun to see how that came together. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember after, you know, we figured out that this was going to work out, I called my sister and told her and told her, I was like, hey, guess what? I'm going to work for an organization that helps with uh, Down syndrome adoption. And she was like, oh, no way, who? And then I said, Rods, and she just like flipped out. She's like, <laughs> what? And then I mentioned your name and she's like, oh my gosh, that's who I met and have a picture with him. So yeah. the connection is really cool to see after it all. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. I, I'm curious, Mike, uh, this is a question that, um, that I'd love to hear just your insights. You've done some amazing things and accomplished some amazing things, and you'd shared a lot of the motivation and some of the things that you're, you're, you're experiencing and, what, and how you were able to do that. Well, you're, you're embarking on a journey now as you're starting to see some of your efforts uh, on the in the mountains and on the road and running is as a, as a rods athlete starting to translate into these orphans actually coming home. And we have some pretty amazing things that we're talking about doing, uh, world record attempts, uh, another, uh, fastest known time in, in arguably the most difficult, uh, conditions and, and race that you could possibly do. And now your efforts are starting to make a difference so that kids, that are tucked away in these orphanages are coming home. So would you be open to sharing a little bit on what that, that has been like for you over the last, call it 60 days? Yeah, um, I think you share it best when you tell your story about when you, um, when Andrea told you to do an Ironman and you weren't too keen on doing that. <laughs> yep. You know, you mentioned that you might not have been able to do it for yourself, but to be able to do it to bring a child home was something that you could do. So. I've thought a lot about that and, you know, running is not in a bad way. Running is a very, like, I don't want to say selfish. It's an individualist yeah, it's individual, sport. Yeah. yeah, it is. Like you're, you're pushing your limits, you're setting PRs, um, like people who crew and pace you, like, you know, they're there for you. You know, obviously you can give back and pace other friends and crew friends and volunteer at races but it's mostly a pretty individualized sport. So being able to, to plan um, projects like attempts, records and stuff, and not just 
do it for me, um, you know, it gives me a little bit extra motivation in my training because, you know, now it's not just about me. It's about helping a child find a family. So on those days when I, especially right now in cold Utah winter, um, those mornings when I wake up and it's dark outside and cold outside, I'm like, oh, I just want to fall back asleep. <laughs> you know, it, it helps to be able to be like, if I want to get that record, if I want to, if I want to help bring somebody home, then I need to be in my best shape and I need to get it done. So it gets me out of bed and it just kind of gives me that extra motivation to keep pushing myself so I can you know, help somebody else. Yeah. And you'll, you will see Mike, as you continue to, to train and continue to play a pivotal part in these kids getting home, you will see, see your abilities, uh, will increase and where you're at right now, I'd say you're at your peak but I believe you're going to get only better from here. It'll be fun to witness that as we go along. I think I've noticed that the past few weeks. Um, we'll share on another episode one of the projects that we have coming up, but uh, when I say coming up, it's a few months out, but um, I'll admit like the mental aspect of it is like kind of been scaring me, but just the past few weeks, like I've been able to see some improvements in certain aspects of my training that's given me a lot more confidence for it. So I I totally agree with that. When you allow yourself to get caught up in a cause bigger than yourself, you'll witness miracles. No question. Well, I think that wraps up our episode for today. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your passion. I am so fired up that we're working together and excited about the great things that we have coming up. We had talked about an event that we have coming up very soon that you hear on a, on a prior podcast, and there's a lot of other things in the works that are pretty significant. So great partnership, Mike. Yes, agree. It's going to awesome. be a great year. Yes, it is. Okay, my friend. Awesome. Awesome.